This is My Take Radio's Behind the Mic. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new installment of My Take Radio Behind the Mic. Joining me this week is a familiar voice that a lot of you guys in the podcasting circles have heard, and that is the one and only JVB. What's up, man? How's it going? Hey, man. How you doing, bro? Uh, thank you for inviting me. Oh, I'm glad. I, I'm glad to finally get it together to have you on, just because you're 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 one of the guys who you know I kind of follow on the podcasting circuit externally from any of the gaming podcasts just in terms of podcasters you're one of the few guys i keep up with on the regular oh man i appreciate that dude well of course for those of you that are new to mtr behind the mic of course this is an interview series focused on interviewing different podcast and vidcast luminaries from different worlds video games movies entertainment life cast you name it uh, we interview it. So JVB was kind enough to take time out of his schedule to join us. He hosts the Post Game Report. He's also known on the internet for his work with talking about games and also the ECA. So of course, let's yeah. let's start with the easiest question, which is, um, what got you into podcasting? All right. So about eight years ago, I was uh, browsing. I, I used to write for a website called Xbox Circle, and it was right. Uh, it was still during the life cycle of the original Xbox, the GameCube, and the PS2. And the announcement for the next generation Xbox uh, came and went. So I was doing as much research as I could. Uh, not really research, but just I just wanted to find out the news. Like, keep up to date with the newest Xbox. So I found a website which was xboxcircle.com, and in a post, they put that they were interviewed on a podcast. Well, they called it a show. Right. So I clicked on the link. I followed the audio, uh, the link to the audio, and lo and behold, uh, ironically, it was, I believe they got interviewed by Gamertag Radio, by Godfrey. So I, I, Figured that uh, I, I listened to from there. I listened to a few other podcasts, one of them being Potacular, and I decided that this might be something that I can pursue because I, I'm listening to people talk about video games, and it felt like uh, back in the days when I was when when me and my friends would sit in the living room and argue over which game was best, which system was best. So I felt like I could definitely do this. And that's pretty much why I got into it. Nice. Well, here's when when you started back then. How? What was? What was the gear you were using back then to broadcast? Because I remember when I started in 2006, it was not as easy as it was now. What were you? What were you using back then to get to get the shows out there? <laughs> well, um, some of us joke around saying we used tin cans with, uh, connected <laughs> to rope. <laughs> But back then, you actually had to use um, Audacity was actually around. So you had to use Audacity to record your own audio and then send it to the other. So I started with Potacular, which was all Halo. And Fumo Jive, who was the creator, we would send it to him via yousendit.com, and then he would piece everything together. So it was a long, grueling process, and the audio, well, the microphone that I had, if you want to call it that, 
was something that I bought at Radio Shack for about $15 maybe. Wow. And it was a headset microphone combo. And at the time, I thought it sounded really good. <laughs> just, to, just to give you an idea because we really didn't have much to compare it to unless you were looking at radio or, or some sort of or, – or you were listening to a professional – so at the time, it was pretty acceptable to have basic equipment. Okay. Yeah, so it was an adventure. So in 2006, when, when you started, uh, the old farts like us, we actually thought it was more a long uh, podcast, that is, than it was 2004 and 2005. Yeah, in 2006, I jumped into it on the on the advent of, uh, you know, iTunes and podcasting. And the funny thing is much like you, it was the same thing. You know, I heard a, um, I heard a, a podcast at the time, which was, um, video game news radio. And those guys, oh, okay. I ended up becoming really close friends with them out of Cleveland. And, you know, I listened to their show. I called in once or twice on Skype and they were like, Oh, you know, it's a guy from New York. And, um, <laughs> you know, the New York <laughs> accent gave it away. And, um, <laughs> One of their listeners, this uh, Canadian guy who I ended up becoming friends with, he did a show. He ended up calling it the Crazy Shit Show. And, he, um, <laughs> yeah, he, he said, he's like, hey, man, you know, you want to record an episode with us? And I'm like, all right. Before you know it, I had done an episode with them, and it was about four hours long. They ended up cutting wow. it up into, into multiple episodes. And when we finished, the guy was like, you know, man, you really should give this a shot. So I said, much like you, I, I started started cranking out recording after recording after recording mm -hmm. using uh, the, the stereotypical headset mic. <laughs> and then uploading I know. the audio Instead to of USB, you had, a, you had the, uh, you know, the colored jacks yes. you had to put into your, into your computer. Oh, it, was, it, it was awful. But, you know, I was putting all the stuff up to Libsyn, and then you know, I got burned out, which is going to lead me to the next question, which is you've been, mm -hmm. you've been doing this, you know, 2004, 2005. How, how often... In that time, did you experience burnout? Because at that point, it was still kind of podcasting was still in its infancy. It was kind of uh, underground still, and mm -hmm. it was all about just getting show after show after show out there. So, how did you know? How did you cope with that kind of stuff, especially when the medium at that time was just starting to really flourish, especially with Apple embracing podcasting? Mm -hmm. Well, there have been a few times where I burnt out. And at one point, I burnt out so much that I went on, I got on the computer, did a recording where I'm, I'm talking about leaving PGR and, and just uh, giving it up because of, of various reasons. And I published it like without second thought. And people were calling me up and they were like, are you crazy? What the hell's wrong with you? Uh, did you even think this out? We just started tag, and uh, we're getting advertisements, blah blah blah, and and it, and I, it was almost as if I woke up during that speech because I was like, "Whoa, they're right! What the hell am I doing?" <laughs> so I wound up taking a break. I gave the um, the controls uh, to at the time when I first started the post game report. I gave the controls to uh, my my uh, host. Uh, Finster. He doesn't podcast anymore now, but he began uh, taking over the realms of pot. I mean, uh, of the post game report. And then I came back, and eventually I did it again where I needed a break. 
So because I'm married and I have a son, there were times where I definitely needed a break. Not and, and not all the time from from burnout was just out of necessity and spending time with the family and just just trying to live a normal life without podcasting being involved. Right. Well, your your shows. One of the things is you you guys, especially, uh, I'd like to say over the last year, you guys have kind of streamlined, you know, the post game report to where it's it's a it's a more short form podcast, but it's not overly formatted to the point where you have to kind of get used to the format. It's more free flowing. Was that something mm-hmm. that just developed over time, or was that just a natural progression? You wanted it to be just a conversation with you and the boys. Yes, well, that was one of the goals when I started podcasting uh, with Podtacular, which, as I stated, was a was entirely of Halo. And people used to wonder how the hell did we last three years? We were the first community podcast to reach over a million listeners. Wow! We won the. We were the first community podcast, video game podcast, to win uh, the now famous podcast awards. That every year people try to uh, get us to vote for. So we were extremely popular. We had, believe it or not, we had three shows per week because we we had so much content, user content, that we had to split it up. So with Podtacular, it was very detailed-oriented. As I stated, Mike, who who goes by the name of Fumo Jive, he, he was on point. And I just, I was the sidekick. I was the comic, the comedic value. I was, I was the guy who would, uh, I was a big Halo player as well, but I would provide, uh, while Mike was more of the quote unquote, uh, professional sounding host, I was the, the comedian. Okay. And I also had the New York accent. Imi- you know, I would imitate Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, during uh, during my time with Potacular, which was about two years or something, I started developing that that habit of having a, a more open a more open feel to my podcast, something that wasn't as planned. So when I started the post game report, of course, I tried to stick with what worked, and I tried to have everything in uh, Google Docs and all this stuff, and email every all the hosts show notes and and while it while it worked i just didn't feel it so eventually i said you know what i'm gonna have a few topics in my head that i would like to bring up and then bring it up on the fly so that i get not even tell the guys you know sometimes i would say all right we're going to talk about this this and this and then i'll go okay and then i'll do the countdown to start but for the most part i would just shoot it out of my head and this way I get a natural reaction from the guys. Uh, sometimes some of the guys don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I'll just move along. And then once based on the conversation that me and some of the other guys are having, whoever wasn't familiar with it before has an idea and then he jumps in. So that's how I like to organize my podcast or uh, maybe not organize my podcast but to me, it feels more natural, and hopefully to the, I mean, apparently you got it. So no, I, hopefully I, everyone uh, figures figures that out. No, that's one of the things 
I like. I mean, what I try to do, and, and this is me, and I, I mentioned this once when, when I did the show with you guys, is I try, mm-hmm. not to, I try not to listen to shows that are within my own niche so you don't, yeah. so you don't inadvertently absorb ideas. But the, know. Beauty, the beauty of, of the way you guys do it is that it's, it's such a natural kind of just sitting in the living room shooting the shit with your boys that it's very difficult to assimilate an idea from what you guys are doing, which is good. I mean, that's... That's one of the best things. Everybody kind of has a certain format. Like I, I do long format. That's my thing. You know, I do a three yeah. hour show and that kind of is my niche. I, I don't even think I can do an hour show because I'd probably, <laughs> I'd probably drag an hour show to three hours just because I, it, it, it's very, I think it's very comforting for me. And the, the yeah, I used to is, do, I used to do three hour shows, man. Yeah. Uh, it's not unusual there you go. before you know it two hours pass and you're like wow you know because as you stated it's like talking with the fellas yep in your living room while you're playing madden or something or street fighter it's pretty much the same thing as close to that as you're gonna get well with with the your current crop of of i want to say stable mates at the post game report how did you come up with that with that team of individuals for that show is that something where you guys (laughs) knew each other in real life was it just a transition from other shows how did that come together because the dynamic that you guys have is so and i've said it so you know yin and yang and it mm-hmm. works and it's so balanced in in a, in a crazy way though because you know it's like you're listening I, you know i listen to to the show and you guys are like yeah and then somebody will come in like no man that's bullshit and you're like wait a minute wait 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 and you kind of slow it down so you play a little mm-hmm. bit of of kind of the the laid back guy but you also mm-hmm move the conversation along how did you bring that team together to create something that (laughs) unique well before i answer that i just wanted to say uh backtrack a little to 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 the formatting and and how um we're really not uh the type of show that has a a similar format to everybody else uh one thing that used to irk me kind of still does is when people say what are you playing or what you've been playing because it seems like everybody does that, yep. or they say the date and the time. I don't. Want, I don't like to say it. And whenever somebody, they'll do it on the show on purpose, and then just to hear me say, "We don't do that shit." They'll say, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> uh, which leads to the insane uh, cast that uh, the rest of the insane the the insane crew, uh, which is Soldier X and Neff. Now. With PGR, with the post game report, there's been many people that have come and gone as host. And as I stated, Finster was someone I met at a Halo event. Very mellow guy, but he was very knowledgeable in PC gaming. He did a lot of that, so I felt, okay, we're going to be one of the first podcasts to talk about the PlayStation. Uh, PlayStation 3, as a matter of fact, and PC and the Wii. Okay. So... I, I and also I, I like uh, I still talk to Finster a lot. Very as I stated, very nice guy. So uh, I had to somewhat be more of the uh, because he was new to podcasting. I had to kind of uh, get him rolling. So I, I would have to say certain things or or present him with questions. Then I realized, okay. Maybe I don't have to bring in people that are experienced in podcasting if I continue doing what I'm doing with 
with Finster, which was uh, provoking him to respond mm. by questions. And it was just as if I was talking to you over the phone and I asked you, you know, what did you eat today? How did it taste? What you hated about it? Things like that. And then uh, after a while, Finster became more open, uh, began bringing in his own comedic value. Uh, but then, you know, he had a, he had a, um, I think he moved, he bought a new house and got married and everything. So I started bringing in guests from the community. Uh, Phoenix was one of the first one. Uh, let me see. It was Phoenix. Then it was Arbert. Then eventually those guys took over when I took a break. And I was as, as, far as i know i was probably the only one to ever just give up his podcast and give it to somebody else to run and i did that wow. twice so phoenix stood around arbor couldn't and then here's a funny story with soldier he used to post on the on the website a lot and i had asked him because i was the community manager of tag part owner and also i ran the community and I said, hey, man, you're always posting. You're always joking around. You've left, you le you've, uh, left voice messages on, on, the, on the show. How would you like to be part of the community team? Because I was building this community team. And he was like, oh, man, I would be on it, blah, blah, blah. When, when, when do I have to be on the show? And I was like, what? And I'm like, wait a minute. He thinks I'm inviting him to the postgame report <laughs> to be a host. <laughs> Because he's been on the sh he was on the show before, right? But then I was like, you know what? Maybe that's a good idea. So instead of breaking his heart, I said, "Yeah, come along." That's and crazy. so he he became a regular host. Then it was me, it was Phoenix, it was Soldier, and then, as you know, no, actually, then Heroic Superman came on because Phoenix invited him on, and I. And mind you, Soldier, put it this way, Phoenix, Soldier, Arbert, Heroic Superman, none of them had podcast experience. They all learned on the postgame report. Wow. Then I brought in Neff, who barely knew what a podcast was. He knew because Neff and I have known each other since high school. Mm, okay. And the both of us will have these great conversations regarding uh, and, and you've heard Neff. He loves to talk about politics and go off. <laughs> so does. we used to be in the drama club. We used to improv over the phone, like doing these funny jokes and talk about everything. So I told him, uh, I said, you should hop on the show one day. He comes on. I think he was using his phone or something, sounding like crap. But nonetheless, he enjoyed it. Some people enjoyed hearing his views on politics. So that the natural progression was okay. I have the unpredictable Soldier X. I have heroic Superman who will go on a rant, but stay quiet for the most part. Phoenix, I called him the bipolar gamer because one day he'll love Xbox, the next week he'll love <laughs> PlayStation. So I used to play on that. And and I would rile them up. I, I knew like I knew what what would rile these people up. And with Neff, obviously, I've known him for over twenty years. So all I would have to do is just say something about politics, and 
he would go off. And that would give me a br- I would use that to my advantage to kind of, while they're ranting, I would think of something to transition to, or I would decide right there whether to end it after the rant. So I would use that to my advantage. And also I would use it to entertain the audience as well. So at the moment, and I'm sorry to prolong the, the, no, that's, the that's answer, cool. but at the moment it is, it's uh, Soldier X, Neff, and myself as the current set of hosts. It could all change in another three months or so. So we don't know. Well, you know, doing the, the post game report and then doing, you know, being the owner of tag, you've, you've branched out quite a bit. I know you've done some voiceover work as well. I, I remember we spoke about that when I, when I stopped on, on your show. It, yeah. It's, yeah. it's crazy that something that you started and I'm sure you probably look back on this quite a bit. It's like, you started this as a hobby and you've branched out. You've had, you've got to go to E3. You've got to receive numerous accolades for it does it does it get to the point sometimes where you look at podcasting and you realize that you were a driving force in evolving this medium does you know like does it does it trip you out sometimes like damn you know in 2004 nobody had any idea what the hell this was (laughs) you know and i'm still one of one of the one of the players in the game well uh, just to clarify something, I believe it or not, I've never been to an E3. I've been to PAX and other events, but uh, yet to be to, to attend an E3. Really? Uh, go f- go figure. How the, hell, <laughs> how the hell is that, dude? If anybody should have been there, and, 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 and now I'm going to go on a tangent. Have, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just there. You know, either uh, I couldn't last second, or there was one year where I. I couldn't go because of a new job I started, and another year I, I was getting anxiety attacks, so I couldn't go because wow. my job was like take time off and, and just come back strong and blah blah blah. So I couldn't go and go to E three and then you know while I'm uh, my job's worried about me, so right I was like let me push the issue, and then uh, I just haven't had this year. I wanted to go because obviously the new the new consoles, but my wife's going to have surgery sometime in in August, late or late July. So I figured, let me use, let me save my days and the money for that. It's more important. But to answer your question, uh, the only time I really think about things like that is when I see it. I, I see podcasting on a different medium. For example, when. Um, What's his face from Clerks? Uh, Kevin Smith. Right. When he was doing doing comic book men, and I see him on a table full of microphones, and they're like, "Yeah, you're listening to the pot to our podcast," and I'm like, "Holy crap! Podcasting on TV? What the hell?" And then I saw it uh, something on the Daily News regarding podcast. Uh, they were talking about a comedy podcast that was starting up or something. Even on, uh, I don't know if you listen to WFAN. Yeah, the sports. The fan, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, Carl, Carlton and, and uh, Boomer Esiason were talking to a comedian. And I hear, <clears throat> excuse me, I hear one of the hosts say, yeah, you do podcasting. So, of course, it, it got my attention. And here was the funny part. They're talking to him about this podcast. And he's talking about how successful it is, how many listeners he has. So, uh, Carlton goes... So let me ask you, can any Joe Schmo 
start a podcast? He goes, yes. He goes, will they be as big as you? He goes, nope. He goes, I am lucky because I have an audience that followed me from my, com- from my comedy career. But uh, it- it's very difficult for an underground uh, podcaster to have my type of numbers. And-, and I'm shaking my head like, yep, you're absolutely right. But the fact that podcasting was on sports talk, because ESPN has plenty of podcasts, stuff like that. But the fact that they're talking about it, I was like, holy crap, man. I, I started this thing when when I had to describe what the hell a podcast was. And now it's on sports radio being discussed as if they were talking about a game or something, you know, that, that happened the night before. So that's pretty much the only time I really think about it and, and uh, give myself a little pat on the back. Because it is... It does take a toll, and it can be discouraging uh, with, with feedback and, and numbers and stuff like that. But if it's something that you enjoy doing, which you obviously do, then you kind of you kind of have to take a little break just to realize how long you've been in the game. That which is what I do. Well, that's actually a, a, a great way to describe it, and it leads me to my next question. You know, you were talking about you know looking at numbers and all this stuff and doing doing this for so long has it gotten to a point for you where you just stop looking at the numbers because i'm you know I, I was guilty of that i remember in the old days just always checking my stats and always checking my stats and now it's like eh, maybe i'll look at it once a month because i kind of have a spreadsheet in case anybody you know i got to sell some advertising i could pull the numbers yeah. up on the fly but does it have you reached that point where it's just like eh, the numbers are the numbers whoever listens listens whoever doesn't doesn't are you comfortable at that point? At this point, now with something like that. Well, the competitor in me, the and it's one thing that I say to ev- well to whoever whoever wants to listen. Uh, I say that in the video game community, we're gamers, so we're naturally competitive. Right. So the competitor in me has kept me podcasting for so long, and it still keeps me looking at the numbers. I don't make it. I don't do it like I used to where during lunch break when whenever I could, I'm checking the numbers. I'll check it every now and then just to see how a particular episode is doing and to see if that particular topic that we discussed was something that was going to generate a lot of interest. It works sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. There are times where I think I have the greatest episode in years and it really doesn't do anything but I don't get I don't get discouraged because, as you stated, I, I've done quite a few things. So I'm not at this stage. I'm not in it for reasons that at one point uh, I I would try for for goals I was trying to achieve at one point. Okay. Makes yeah. Sense. So it's it's I still look at them though. Yeah. It, it, it numbers numbers are very iffy, especially. When you're looking at what I like to look at, especially now with the with the the huge dependency on social media, it's it's become now to the point where you have you have to manage five or six different sets of numbers because it's mm-hmm. like your Facebook fans, your Twitter followers, your podcast downloads, your live listens, your website traffic. Before you know it, it just makes yeah. your head spin. <laughs> I know, man. I know, and and 
I want, there was one point where I was on four podcasts per week. Damn. I was on Potacular, Gamertag Radio. I was doing SFX 360, and I was doing the post-game report. And the only numbers I was looking at was Potacular and post-game report. But that was when I had aspirations. I, I, I was like, this is going to be my career. I, I, I'm, the more I do, the more exposed I am, the more people are going to recognize me, blah, blah, blah. And I thought that was going to be my ticket to success, quote, unquote, success. Okay. But that, that was around the time I was burning out. Mm. But then I realized that I was wearing myself thin and I couldn't be categorized in one particular area uh, for, for, uh, for a lot of years, people recognized me from particular as the Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, imitator. Right. And then when I did PGR, uh, people were like, all right, you're doing a post game report. But then I didn't give the post game report time to flourish. I jumped into two other podcasts. So, Eventually sticking with one and, and as you stated, trying to advertise and trying to gain numbers and setting goals for downloads per week. It was like, you know what? I'll stick to the fun part and forget all the analytics. And then eventually, as you try to monetize your podcast, so you, you want to put advertisements, then you got to approach these people with numbers because they'll ask for it. So, you're doing it right by staying in touch with the numbers, being prepared, because at the time I wasn't. Then, you know, I had to do my homework and gather all the information. I was like, you know what? Freak this, you know? I'll, I, I had one of the other guys do it. Okay. Well, one of the, one of the things that I was going to ask, and, and I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned it in your response, was turning, turning this into a career, because we, we've, we've discussed this, you know, off air in the, in the real world about yeah. about podcasting you know becoming a career and the the amount of effort and, and work that goes into it where where did you kind of come to the realization that it was something that you were just going to continue doing as a hobby and weren't going to turn into a profession and the reason i say that is because it's like you have probably one of the most radio friendly voices i've ever heard it's, oh yeah, it's, it's, thanks, man. It's distinguishable. <laughs> Everybody knows it. There's never any processing behind it. It's just like, wow, that's you talking like like off air. You know, when we met face to face, I'm like, yep, <laughs> no pro, no post processing, no nothing. And what I'm saying is, you look at you look at some of these guys, and they're they they get careers and they make careers out of it, and it's it's kind of like a luck of the draw. At which point yeah, did you come yeah. to the realization that you're like, hey, I'm just going to keep doing this as a hobby and not try to get make this a career? Was it just the changing of the medium? Well, I don't know if I ever told you the story. At one point, uh, when I, because I, my first big event was attending Crackdown, where Microsoft uh, they called me up and they said, "Hey, we have a spot. Would you like to come down?" to Seattle and, and preview Crackdown. And I was like, I don't have the money. And they were like, no, we're going to pay for your everything. We're going to pay for your hotel. You're going to come down with a group of people. Wow. And I was like, holy crap, man, of course. So there I met, believe it or not, I met a lot of uh, some of the people that are still around, like uh, Avid X, uh, Vicious, uh, who goes by Paris, 
just just uh, Steve Five Nineteen guys who either podcasted or, or, or are still podcasting. And after attending that that event and coming back uh, to Florida because I was living in Florida at the time, uh, forget it. I was like, yo, I want to work in the gaming industry for Microsoft because, of course, the campus was beautiful. I knew a few people there. Chris Palladino was start, had started. So that was my goal. And at one point, I got a phone call. We called it the Chris Palladino phone call because that's how Chris Palladino was approached. He, was, uh, he, was, he had received a phone call from Tony Hines who asked him, hey, you want to work with us? So lo and behold, Tony Hines leaves me a message on my phone while I was working. I was working for uh, Schindler Elevators. It's like, hey, give me a call. So I call him because I'm like, what the hell is Tony Hines doing calling me? And he's like, hey, we have a position opening up, and uh, are you interested? I'm like, oh, my God, could this be, you know? So lo and behold, uh, a few months passed because he had told me, hey, we're going to review other people. And then uh, I was supposed to attend that PAX, and I missed a plane. And I was like, I missed a plane to PAX um, in Seattle. And I got so pissed, I was like, I ain't going. Forget it. Because I was I was on standby. So yeah. I was like, if I was going to go, I was, it was meant to be. I would have been there already. So everybody's telling me, come on, dude, you got to come down. You got to come down the next day. Come on. I was like, no, nah, freak it. So I felt like that was my missed opportunity because I didn't get the job, obviously. And I was like, Jesus, I missed my opportunity. I didn't attend packs. I know that's the reason, blah, blah, blah. So I wanted, that's when I started doing more. I was like, I got to do more. I got to do more. But then there was one day where uh, they were coming out with a Halo comic book. And we used to live by Tate's Comics in uh, Fort Lauderdale. Okay. So my wife, my son, and I, we, we go, and I'm asking about the comic book. And when I go back outside to meet my wife and my son, my son, he goes, Dad, you talk about Halo more than you talk about me. And my wife looked at me in, shocked, uh, in shock, and I looked at her, wow. and I was like, Jesus, he's right. You know, like, that hit me hard. And I was like, you know, I got to change I, I got to change my mindset. I, I got to change this this freaking obsession to get into the video game industry. And I got to think in a in a real I, I got to come back down to reality. So that's when. Uh, even though I still had aspirations to work in the industry, that's when I changed my approach. I was like, OK, I'll stick with one podcast. Let my talents uh, no pun intended, do the talking for me. Right. And if I deserve to be in a job, I'll get it. And I've had interviews with uh, uh, Volition to be the Saints Row community manager. I had several interviews with them. Obviously, that didn't work out. Uh, another interview I had was with EA for a community manager role. That obviously didn't work out. And then Obviously, I finally got into the industry through the ECA. And uh, though it's not, I'm not community manager of a game, 
like Halo or Call of Duty, I'm more of a uh, the ECA. It's uh, uh, they're not a studio, they're not a publisher, they're just a nonprofit organization. And I don't know. We'll get into that later. Yep. But are. I do. I, I represent something that uh, benefits the entire video game community instead of benefit benefiting one game. So I'm pretty. I'm I'm really content with that, and actually quite happy with that role. But since then, I, I've I've gotten like uh, I've seen links to like a hey, you know EA looking for a community manager or uh, this company looking for someone and. Where in the past I would instantly put in my resume and 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 work at uh, getting in touch with whoever's doing the screening process. Now I just retweet it so that maybe somebody else who wants to get in can see it and and pursue it themselves. So I say about four years ago is when I really uh, where I I, I somewhat uh, realized. This is probably not going to be a full-time career. I, I did radio. I don't know if you remember that. I was doing a segment during the holidays at one point where I would do uh, stocking stuffers. It was it was something like a stocking stuffer recommendation show for video games. And you know each I, week I would do a different console and recommend some games. What was that? No, I said it rings a bell. I'm trying to remember. I yeah, this heard... was this was probably three, four years ago. Yep, it, it definitely rings a bell. Yeah, I'm trying so to remember I, where I heard it before. I still have the audio. You know, they were like, "You got to make it two minutes." Uh, you know, so believe it or not, two minutes was tough. Yep, I because, agree. <laughs> because you got to get straight to the point, and then you got to edit things that you think are informative. And when you edit that, you're like, oh, my God, but this doesn't sound great. It sounds like an edit because I'm really picky. I'm sure you are, too. So making it flow, making two minutes flow uh, while taking five, six minutes and turning it into two to three minutes and making it sound like it flows was a challenge the first three times. And then eventually I started getting the hang of it where I didn't have to do a lot of editing. Sometimes I would bring... Uh, I brought a few people on to do uh, a segment with me because I wanted to bring more people in and give them some exposure because this was playing in Miami. So my cousin would listen to it every week. I believe it came out every Friday at 7 a.m. So it was like right in the, in, in, in the middle of rush hour traffic. Oh, so your voice so, was hitting the masses. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, I, I knew it was going to be a short-term thing. I wasn't getting paid for it, but I was like, I don't care. The site's getting some, uh, it, it's reaching a potentially new market. Uh, the name is out there. My voice is out there. And it's something that I can, in the, in the, in, in the long run, I can say that I did, which was one of the goals that I had uh, put in a virtual piece of paper and said, I want to accomplish this before I stop podcasting before I stopped podcasting. So I've done almost everything. The last one is uh, doing um, what they call those uh, doing, um, you know, at PAX, they have those. Uh, uh, it's not a conference, but it's um panel. Right. That's the 
one thing I have to do. And uh, I was panels. close, but I couldn't attend the packs. So, <laughs> yeah, panels panels are always interesting. I mean, th- that's one of the one of the things that it, that I kind of feel I, I've missed out on just from not not going to packs or E three. But I I think it's one of those things, and you know, it, it's it's the the monetization of of podcasting, and I wanted to get into that a little bit. The monetization sure. of podcasting is something that everybody aspires to, but I personally tell people that if that's what you're coming into the the business with, like if you wake up and you're like, I want a podcast so I can make money, um, I tell people not to even bother doing it because mm-hmm. when that when that harsh reality slaps you in the face, when you're like, hey, man, you know, 50 people listen to my show or 10 people listen to my show this week and you realize it's not that easy, yeah. I, I think yeah. what happens is it, it, it muddies, it, it mucks up the water with a lot of abandoned shows. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, I was gonna go. I, I wanted to ask, you know, how do you feel with regards to podcasting and monetization? Is it something that you know you you aspired to as well, or was it something that you kind of had to build as you did your shows and grew in the industry? Well, uh, Uriah, who does the show radio, he had men- he had asked that question on Twitter, and I had told him that when I started podcasting was a legitimate hobby yep now if you get into the game there's that possibility of making some money out of it additional money i call it additional money or disposable income because you see podcasting everywhere now yep. and you see some really popular people doing it and they make a nice chunk of change via advertisement but at the time when i was doing it the advice along with some of the older guys, the advice we would give was mainly about, you know, having fun, being, being uh, true, staying true to you, to who you are for the listener's sake and things like that. We never mentioned money. Okay. Recently, uh, I'd say as long as three years ago, maybe when the ability to have an app came around via Lipson. And you could sell it for whatever price you wanted. I instantly told uh, Sugar Free because Sugar Free started his podcasting on the Post Game Report as well. He does just talking now. So I said, dude, make it free. And then he hit me up. He's like, dude, the, the lowest price we can do is a dollar. Uh, I think it's a dollar ninety nine or yep. ninety nine cents. Dollar ninety nine. That's what I have. For mine. Yeah. And I was like, shit, man, I don't want to charge people for this damn thing. And, but that was the option. It was either have it and charge a dollar ninety nine, or don't have it. So I said, "All right, whoever wants to buy it, I really appreciate it, but I'm not going to really force it into uh, into the show. We would mention it, and once per show, and that was that. And put some content, of course. Uh, and now and then, I would make a few bucks out of that. Obviously, through advertisement." Uh, where the money, I wasn't seeing it because it was going straight to hosting fees yep. and and uh, covering any website uh, necessities. But it was never something where I said, uh, my, my mentality was I'll podcast so that it could lead me to something, not I'll podcast so that it can become my sole salary where I can support my family. 
that was never the intent. Uh, would I like it to be? Of course, but I have a pretty good career right now, and I have an eleven year I have an eleven year old son, and and I've been married for fourteen years, and putting them at risk to begin podcasting full time, and trying to sell my my podcast to advertisers every day. I can't do that. Mm. So, so it's it, it all depends nowadays. You'll you'll have that that I'm trying to think of the name because I'm blanking out here, but you'll have you looking at you would be the possibility of making money, and that can somewhat cloud your judgment, right? And just thinking, man, I could do this and make money like Leo Laporte. No, you're not. Yep, Leo Laporte has been on TV for many years, radio. The dude's been around for a long time. He created he he created the trust with his audience, with the advertisers, long before he started podcasting. And of course, he took advantage of of a, of a new medium and made it into an empire. So, uh, you can make some additional income, but you're not going to make a full time salary. There you go. See that that's that's the best answer you can give. And trust me, if I could isolate that, that would be what I would play for anyone that asked me because, <laughs> because that's how, that's how it boils down. A lot of people get into it. And especially now that the medium has evolved to where it's podcasting. Now, of course, now you got the vid casting and then streaming yeah. and everybody's trying to make a career out of everything, especially, and, and you've seen this now, you know, with the streaming of video games, everybody wants to become the next streaming yeah. sensation and they want to have all these little brands and stuff in there. And it's like, at the end of the day, you're still it's like you do realize you're podcasting over a game because that's yeah. really it. It, it you know nobody nobody looks at it that way and there's that there's always that get rich quick kind of a vibe to it which honestly is non-existent yeah yeah it, it with <laughs> with video games period there are no get rich nope uh, quick schemes there's no money in that because and you and I talked about this IGN, which is probably the biggest. I've been I've been reading IGN for a very long time. As have I. Uh, even before I started podcasting, and it's the biggest video game website in the world. They podcast on their own time. Yep. They don't make their money, and that's I listen to podcasts beyond. Those guys don't get paid to podcast. They got to do it at home, or they got to do it on their break. It's not like they're gathering revenue and they can say you know what we don't need IGN anymore we're going to go and do our own thing now giant bomb when Gertz, gertzman and and that crew uh when gertzman got fired they created the giant bomb podcast and they were doing that for free with their own money of course then that massive amount of readers that used to and listeners that used to uh Listen to Gertzman while he was in in game. What was it? Not GameStop, but game. Uh, his GameStop and game. I forgot, but his his old website uh, that's still around. I think he got that entire audience to follow him to Giant Bomb, and of course, it, it instantly became extremely popular on iTunes. And through there, they they were talking about charging people. For some type of subscription, they created various shows around the Giant Bomb product, and 
they were able, they, they're able still to maintain some type of salary for themselves. But it wasn't like you and I, Rich, we decide, yo, we're going to team up and do a podcast and we're going to drop our, pre- our current podcast and we're going to get all these listeners to follow us and, and support us. It's, they might do that, but they're not going to pay nope. to listen to something they've been getting for free for so long by us. Well, that's the thing too. A lot of a lot of these shows now they try to use these these on the DL uh, ways to get money. Hey, we're gonna put some stuff behind a paywall, or hey, we're gonna do this. It's like, listen, the internet is all about getting something for free. You have to have yeah. something <laughs> amazingly remarkable to to motivate somebody to part with money. I mean, we do shirts and stuff for the show and stuff like that, and people will be like, "Damn, man." You guys are charging $15 for the shirt. And it's like, what do you think a t-shirt costs? And that's <laughs> I know. And that's what I'm saying. Like like everybody thinks that they can monetize something that I've and it, and it's a terrible way to look at it. I I go like this. I'm like my product is my product and it's probably the best product to me. To the mm-hmm. average person, they might be like, "Ah, eh, that guy's all right." Or, "Eh, that guy's voice gets on my nerve." Or Whatever it is, and, and people yeah. just, they use whatever excuse possible to not part with money. So it, monetizing from that standpoint for podcasting, is I always feel it's like, you know, throwing throwing gum at a wall and hoping it sticks. Because <laughs> that's what it is. You can't, you know, pay walls and all that shit. Like the guys from Giant Bomb, I used to hear Gertzman on the GameStop. Yeah, not GameStop. The GameStop, yeah, the, the GameSpot cod, podcast, excuse me. And, um, you know, I used to love it, but he'd have a couple of guys on there with him. And I'm like, I can't listen to him for, you know, an hour yeah, talking with, yeah. these, with these two guys. And I wouldn't I wouldn't support it because of that annoyance overall. That's what I'm saying. Like, people, mm-hmm. won't, people won't part with money to support your brand unless you have something completely out of this world. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of the things that they do have is that accessibility yep. that we don't. We have... We actually depend on IGN or Giant Bomb to post their exclusive content or their exclusive information. We depend on that to get our own news. Right. I agree. So if you have a few video game podcasts that are feeding, and I compare, I've said this on the PGR a few times, I I compare us to a, a tank, a fish tank full of hamsters. Where we're all in the same tank, we they dropped a little food and we're all scrambling around to get a piece. And to this day, I still think that because it's so. And I know people hate when 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 they say oversaturated, but it is. It's the video game podcast community is oversaturated. It's, it's been like that for years yep. uh, since I started with Potacular. We used to get some of our listeners who would tell us, hey, I just started my own podcast. Hey, I just started my own podcast. And I would jump on it just to uh, give them their first guest or listen and give them advice. Most of the time, they couldn't take the grueling process, so they would quit. Yep. But there are, it has become a lot easier to podcast. So it's, and because of, it's a little easier to start, let me, let me rephrase that because we talked about that also offline. It's a lot easier to start a podcast. That's right. So you have those startups oversaturating 
the video game uh, podcast market. I really don't want to say market because it really isn't much of a market, but uh, I think you understand what I'm trying to say. So when you have like two, maybe three big uh, food dispensers on top of this hamster cage throwing bits and pieces of stuff, and you got all the little hamsters running all over the place for, for food, which is unfortunately what some of us are, uh, we have to depend on that, and we have to make the best of that information as we can. But in the long run, you're realizing that you're 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 eating the same food as all the other hamsters. That's right. It, it, <laughs> it, no, and that's a great analogy. The way I see it is, you're either repurposing content with your own voice mm-hmm. or creating yeah. content. When you're creating content from from jump, you know, evergreen content, then I think it becomes infinitely easier to monetize because at that point you're selling yourself when you're, when you're trying to sell a show that kind of relies on other things and, and is an, is an opinion based podcast, Mm -hmm. you're selling people on the message that you deliver. I think that's where people kind of get, get caught up with it. Like I, like I hear a lot of guys, yeah, man, you know, I want to do my show like Leo Laporte. It's like, and you will fail. Yep. And I hate telling guys that, like, oh, man, Leo Laporte's style is awesome. I'm like, yeah, because it works for Leo Laporte. It exactly. won't work for you. Exactly. I joked around calling myself the broke-ass Leo Laporte because... It's true. There I've, you go. I've, I've I've created a lot of podcasts because I've had people jump on PGR or I let them take the realms or uh, I would give them advice. And so that's why sometimes uh, I, somebody, someone had called me the pod father and I jokingly created a Twitter just to just joke around about that. And it, it uh, I was speaking with Uriah today and I told him, I said, imagine if, if I turned around and told those same people, Hey, I got to charge you $75 an hour for this advice. <laughs> they would spit in my face because it's like, wait a minute, but you've been giving me advice for years. And, and, and that's the problem is because, and it goes back to this hamster tank we're all sharing the same audience almost. Yep. So, because Uriah today was asking me, he's like, but is it wrong if someone want to, wanted to start a, a Kickstarter? Because we got into the whole Penny Arcade Kickstarter thing. Right. He said, would it be wrong for one of us to start a Kickstarter just to improve our equipment? Do you think it would work? I said, well, it would. But if a bunch of us did at the same time, then our... The listeners that we share, because we do, they would have to decide who to who to uh, support, and it would become a popularity contest, and who knows what that could lead to. Well, it's uh, it's funny you mentioned that because well, first thing, it's funny that they you you know people called you the Podfather, and I'm shocked that Adam Curry didn't come out of the woodwork and tell you to to give him I know, that name. I know because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you the know, first yep. the first. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm shocked that that didn't happen with regards to. Um, Kickstarters and and podcasting. I've always felt that if people believe enough in your product that they want to actively support it, then you shouldn't have to ask, so to speak. Like if somebody says to you, "Hey, man, you know why aren't you guys doing more shows per week?" and you're like, "Well, I have a job," and mm-hmm. it's like I sell shirts on my site and whatever. I use affiliate links for stuff I review. You know, you guys should click that stuff because it would help me. People have that option right then and there 
to help you out. Sometimes it's yeah. not even a question of buying something. Like if you if you review a game on on PGR and you're like, hey, you know, here's the link for it. You know, buy it through Amazon. It helps us out. People shop on Amazon all the time. If they don't go to your site and go, yo, let me help them out and click that link, then they they have no grounds to ask you for anything. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And and Uriah and I were talking about that, and he was saying that it, it, it sometimes we've all been there where. Sometimes you're like, why can't these? Why can't a listener just take one minute and leave us a review on yep. iTunes there to help go. us? And that had me thinking, and it's kind of similar to what you said: buy my shirt, and that'll help me out. But even if, and this works both ways. Me myself, I would never do a Kickstarter. I bought. I recently upgraded my equipment with my own money, not advertisement money or nothing. Yep, my own so money. My wife wanted to freaking give me a pile driver and everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, even if our listeners would, because I, even with Podtacular, we tried it one time with donations, and neither one of us felt too comfortable. But as I was stating. Uh, earlier back then it was a lot different right the the mentality and, and the cost and everything was was a lot different than it is now because you're now you're trying to compete and, and stand out so you're trying to do so so much and reach a big audience so now instead of asking for money through a kickstarter like for example pgr i'm going to encourage the listeners to help us become more popular on iTunes by leaving us a review. Yep. And and that is another opportunity that could uh, benefit the Post Game Report and the listeners because the more popular it gets on iTunes, the more familiar it is, and uh, listeners that may have never heard of the Post Game Report will see it a few weeks here and there on, on the front of iTunes, and they're going to go, okay, obviously – this thing is popular. Let's listen to it. And then from there, you can uh, get yourself some uh, opportunities via ad revenue and stuff like that. So there are different ways. And I'm speaking to the listener at this point. There are different ways to helping your favorite podcast. Right. And the easiest and cheapest way is by leaving a review on iTunes. You it, can't, it can't get any easier than that. And and, it, and even that it's like it's pull it's like pulling teeth you know it's people people get get mad uh, like my audience I, I'll be a hundred percent honest when I say sometimes I'll go on air and I will shred my audience apart I'll go right on air and just shred them apart I'll be like uh, and and you know I'll start a show and I'll be like you know you you know you you fucking guys if the show's not up within a day I get an email or a tweet hey man what's up with the show for this week but yeah. you know you can't take three seconds. To go on iTunes and click, you know, four stars, five stars, one star, and write mm-hmm. something, and, and and that's what I mean. Like sometimes it becomes a war of attrition with your own audience. Yeah, yeah, and and something I put up on Twitter uh, a few days ago because uh, there was a lot of conversation about podcasting, and whenever on Twitter, at least in my circles, whenever somebody mentions podcasting. Uh, people pop out of the woodwork and want to give all the advice and blah, blah, blah. So a lot of the, the advice you'll 
read is the same advice we've been given for years. So I was uh, think I was talking to Derek Scott, and I told him I said, "Look, as a host, if your listeners can honestly." feel like they know, and I put in quotes, know the host or hosts, then you are doing a great job. Right. Because you want them to relate to you. You don't want to feel uh, alienated when you're listening to a podcast. You want to, at one point, be, be either screaming at your freaking phone or iPod or laughing. You, you got to relate, you got to connect. And, and that's one thing, uh, uh, you know, admittedly post game report through various reasons. And maybe it's been because of, I always put the blame on myself, but, uh, you know, there is a price you do pay as a host for taking a break here and there. You lose listeners because you're taking a break and other people are coming in and they got to adjust to a different style. So that obviously affected, the, the amount of listeners, but the ones that have stuck uh, with the postgame report since the beginning, they understand who we are. They understand when we're being sarcastic, when we're being real. Uh, so we don't have to explain, hey, guys, that was just a joke. They know already. Right. And that's the beauty of it. There you go. Well, to switch gears a little bit, I wanted to go into into the ECA. Um, you know, yeah. you, you started working with them and it's something you're incredibly passionate about, and I wanted to get your thoughts on getting into the ECA, number one, and number two, the importance of it with regards to the gaming industry and how, how essential it is for people to get behind it as a brand. All right, so the ECA stands for Entertainment Consumers Association, and what it is is a nonprofit organization, and without trying to sound too uh, sales pitchy and and uh, and scripted, uh, what we do is during times of, let's say, CISPA or SOPA, where Congress, uh, Congress or the government period, they decide to interfere with the hobby we know and love, which is video games, digital media. doesn't necessarily have to be video games, but the Internet as a whole. Uh, some of these laws that they try to pass will restrict a lot of what we take advantage. Uh, uh, we, we take for granted, not take advantage of. Well, some of us do, but... So, for example, watching a walkthrough for a game that you're trying to pass, you, you, you type in that game on YouTube, and chances are somebody has created a walkthrough. And it helps you out by passing a level that you, you had difficulty in. So with some of these laws, that is prohibited. And as we were talking about YouTube and making money, if they're really good, they're going to make a profit on YouTube. So it not only hinders our freedom to get information, it hinders people from uh, making money. It hinder, it, it, uh, there's a risk of YouTube shutting down, things like that. And, of course, the eye in the sky, the... Um, uh, the big brother watching over you anytime they want, taking your information and, and just looking through it and saying, hey, this guy is a red flag. Let's uh, confiscate this information without permission. So things like that. So what the ECA does is uh, we pay for lobbyists to go uh, to these hearings. Uh, and and we, uh, me as the community manager, 
what I do is I'm the middleman between the ECA and the gamers. So I'll pass along any information they tell me uh, to pass along, and I'll also take it upon myself to uh, give information from our website because we provide a lot of different uh, types of um, uh, services to to gamers and anyone. It doesn't have to be just gamers, but to uh, the most, we have about, we're approaching a million subscribers. So for the most part, it's gaming related. So we provide a lot of services like discount coupons, uh, information on attending schools that involve video games. So what I like to do is take information from the site and put it on our Facebook and Twitter and things like that. And just to keep that community busy and to somewhat uh, keep keep the ECA in their mind until these attacks come. And by attacks, I mean attacks on our uh, freedom uh, to to withhold our own information and to enjoy the video game community as it's supposed to be. Right. So that's in a nutshell what we do. We 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 like to. Uh, I know Heather likes to call our um, the AAA of video games. You know when you get stuck on the road. There you go. That's a that's a good that's a good description. Yeah. So so she says that I say we're we're United. Uh, I like to say we're uh, the the bouncer or or the big brother or or the the you know the knight with the sword and shield defenders of. So we all have our own little niche that we like to call the ECA or describe the ECA as. But, yeah, it's pretty much that. We're the defenders or the AAA if people, of the video game industry. If people wanted to join the ECA, what would they need to do? How much is it, um, you know, just to become a part of it? Because I think one of the things that separates the gaming community from so many others is the fact that the gaming community is very quick to rise up and get angry about something, but they yeah, only rise yeah. up and get angry about something individually. They never strive. Mm-hmm. They never strive to become a cohesive unit, a unit that's unified with one voice behind them. It's just, you know, man, these guys talking about these M rated games, bullshit. And it's just <laughs> like, okay, well, if you're mad about it, why don't you do something about, yeah, well, I, I don't know. I don't know where to go. <laughs> you know, all that, all that BS. And that's, that's what I'm saying. So, Straight up, if somebody wanted to become active with the ECA, what would they need to do? Well, the first thing you would do is go to theeca.com. Look at the information that is there because the information is free. We even provide, um, and I always forget the word, um, but we provide information on on how to uh, contact your local congressman, uh, how to give, uh, if you wanted to send a letter to Obama. We even had uh, petitions. Uh, we provide p- petitions. We even had one, a letter that was already made. All you had to do was provide your email address, your zip code. That when you fill that out, the letter was already made, pre-made. It would go to Obama, and the letter uh uh, to 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 make it short, would say video games are not dangerous. There you go. Uh, uh, so that is free for everyone. 
But if you wanted to become a yearly subscriber, which at the moment is $19.99, but there are times where it goes as low as a dollar, or if you attend certain events, we'll do promotions with, uh, let's say, Ford or Red Bull, where it's free for about two, three days, and you and you get a free uh, year membership. So it all depends. Uh, they, 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 those type of promotions pop up randomly, but for the most part, it's nineteen ninety nine, and uh, you'll get uh, coupons that you can print out online uh, at the website. Of course, once you sign in, this is not free. Like this part is not free, where anybody can go and print these out. But let's say you go to Best Buy and get five percent off on. Uh, certain items or hot topic uh they range uh it's like a from when i started maybe two years ago the list has grown as to uh the the not partnerships but the promotional uh partnership we got with with uh various brands has grown uh very very um exponentially so uh, that's one of the benefits. The other benefits is is you get a nightly nightly newsletter. So you'll get stories uh, that range from politics, but everything is, of course, is under the video game umbrella. Okay. So we have uh, we also have GamePolitics.com, which is uh, part of the ECA. So we have various. Uh, we have various uh, sub-organizations that people might not realize is associated with the Entertainment Consumers Association, but uh, overall, it, it, it's all uh, we're all working together to do the same things. We're just providing different information in various ways. So to become, uh, the first thing I would do, uh, well, uh, the first thing I recommend is going to the Facebook page, which is facebook.com, the ECA. And there, uh, for the most part, is myself and a few other people who will provide information on upcoming promotions or upcoming deals, 20% off on headsets, things like that. Or we're going to be, uh, this year at PAX, we had a uh, a giant booth with um, with jousting. I heard that was pretty popular. I couldn't go. And so... Check that out and get the vibe of what the ECA is all about. And if you enjoy it, if you think we're an organization you would like to participate in, uh, sign, you know, like the page, like the Facebook page, or the Twitter, which is at the ECA. And if you're if you really want to support us, uh, because that's pretty much the only form of uh, money they make is by subscription. Uh, Go on board, go on the website, and, you know, for nineteen ninety nine, give it a shot for one year. There you go. Yeah. It's, uh, I found myself very fortunate because, as I was stating, uh, uh, actually, I, I, by luck, I don't know if you know Oopy. Nope. Don't know that person. Uh, she's been around the community a very long time, probably... Not too far off when I started. Uh, not a podcaster, but just someone that, for the most part, if you ask around, somebody might know her. So she hit me up 
and 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 one of my podcasts because I I used to do my own uh, solo podcast, and I did an episode of when I first started with the ECA, and the theme for that particular episode was about timing and taking advantage of situations that occurred via good timing. And Upi hits me up at, at this job I was working at, and I was looking for uh, something on the computer, and I just happened to check my email. She sends me a chat, a Google chat, and says, hey, ECA is looking. They're in Connecticut. I don't know how far you are from there, but uh, here's the link if you're interested. So I look at the link with the beauty of Google Docs. I have my resume there. So I was like, ah, let me send it. So I send the resume. Immediately, I get an email. Hey, can you come in for an interview uh, tomorrow? I was like, holy crap, this is crazy. So I had to come up with some excuse as to why I can't come in in the morning. I went to Connecticut, had the interview. We hit it off right away. Uh, they said, well, we have one more person to interview. I was like, all right. And as I stated, I, there were a few times where I, I went on interviews and I didn't get it. So I wasn't really, uh, I wasn't really, uh, I had to hold my excitement because I was like, all right, I've been through this before. Uh, and I'm a, I'm, I'm a realist, you know, so uh, whenever I'm the type that for everything good, I, I always consider the bad. So I stay right in the middle. So uh, she emailed me right away. Because I had to go back to work. So when I got to work, I got an email. Hey, can you come back tomorrow? I said, no, I can't do that. So I had to wait a week. Oof. So I, I I go the next week and I meet the CEO, the president, um, Hal. So we talk, the three of us, we're talking about community, uh, video games. At, at, a certain, at a certain point, it was just three adults talking about old video games like it wasn't even an interview and in the back of my mind i'm like this is probably the type of vibe they were looking for to begin with uh hopefully you know i'm thinking hopefully that's the case so and surprisingly so we knew a lot of the same people so uh about a month passes and they'd say okay you you are our number one candidate for the job, but we're waiting for a deal to go through. And once this deal goes through, uh, we will have the funds to bring you on as a full-time employer uh, employee. So I'm like, all right, all right. So PAX West comes and goes. I, I was very fortunate to be invited to go uh, view Battlefield 3. And... Uh, you know, like just being there again reinvigor uh, reinvigorated me. And I was like, man, you know, this is what got me in trouble before was being around this and, and wanting to be in this industry as, as you know, uh, make it a career. So it just blended like like it just once again, perfect timing. When I got back, uh, I, I, I email Heather. And because I was like, you know, I'll let them on their own time uh, contact me. But I emailed her and I said, have you found anything out, blah, blah, blah. So she goes, uh, okay, we're going to hire you, but um, can you uh, can you do this 
on a uh, we're going to need you before we we fill out any paperwork, blah blah blah, uh, just to see how you adjust and blah blah blah. Can you uh, just help us out for about a week or two? I said absolutely. So my first day was that very day. They gave me all the their freaking passcodes and everything for you know Twitter, Facebook, their websites, everything. And I'm like, man, this is, you know, like, this is a big deal because they're trusting me with this information. So right, right off the bat, I was like, holy crap, I wasn't ready for all this right away. So it's funny because my first tweet under the ECA, I was nervous as crap because I'm like, I'm like, man, we got like, uh, at the time we had 14,000 on Facebook. Wow. And then like 4,000 on Twitter. So I was like, these people are going to read not what I say, but what the ECA is saying. And I got to freaking make sure that I'm not making them look like a fool. So I was extremely nervous. So I came up with, with something very simple. Every morning, I would simply go, good morning, gamers, on both Facebook and Twitter. And to to this day, some of some of the other people who post on face on the ECA Facebook will say the same thing. And from there, I learned immediately the first day, not to because I had asked a question regarding. Uh, I think it was a simple question of, uh, you know, good morning gamers. What what's what's your Xbox Live gamer tag? And some people were posting it on Twitter, right? But I made the mistake of retweeting the first few Uh next thing you know I had like 50 replies in a minute like it was back to back and I'm like retweet 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 and then people were like Jesus Christ would you stop retweeting everything and blah 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 and I'm like oh my god I gotta get (laughs) you know like I had to erase the community side of, of, of I had to totally forget everything that I was used to doing as a community member. Right. And adjust to being a community manager. And I learned right away. That was like my first real life lesson. And I was glad I learned it so quickly. So some people were like, I'm I'm taking you off my Twitter, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no. And I'm like, Jesus, I'm going to, I'm making a bad impression right away. I made up for it right away. And then uh, they called me up and they're like, look, we're going to give you a salary uh, the same day. As a matter of fact, they were like, we're going to give you a salary. We only pay you every month as a freelancer right now. We're, uh, we're working on this deal. I said, look, uh, this is something that I've always dreamed about doing. Uh, thank you for, for, for the opportunity, number one. And, uh, you know, let's do it. Let's do it. You know, I'll, I'll take the monthly uh, paycheck uh, for, to do something that I love. So uh, fortunately for me, I had a job. A regular job uh, that I was going to with the city that I was about to get. So it wasn't uh, something that I needed to depend on, thankfully, because obviously I would I would have had to, uh, you know, drop it. But when I started with the city, I told them and they said, no, do it on the weekends, at night, whatever you got to do. You know, don't worry about it. We'll keep you on board. We'll keep paying you. And I said, I can't ask for anything more than, you know, I'm representing the industry that I love um, and I'm representing the community that I've 
somewhat help to flourish. Right. And I'm I'm working in the, in the, with an organization that thinks just like me, and it was just perfect timing, just perfect storm, of, uh, or perfect uh, scenario. That that you know, I was very fortunate to to uh, be at the right place at the right time. So uh, I'm still with them, and uh, on occasion. You know, the whole thing with CISPA will pop up again. And it's our responsibility to make sure people go on, on to the website, which is the ECA.com, and fill out the petitions to let their local lawmakers know that, you know, that this these laws are going to really hinder a lot of people and a lot of small businesses. Yeah, Even right. with uh, the shootings in Connecticut, where they were trying to blame video games again, uh, unfortunately, we had to... Uh, uh, because of what the tragedy that happened, we had to once again defend the integrity of of the community, the the culture, and everything. Yep, I so, agree. I did, I had to. I was in the in the same boat. You know, I'm I'm a firm believer. Yeah. I'm a firm believer that no medium should raise your children. You should raise your children. And mm-hmm. when, you know, when you when, yeah. to see you guys <laughs> advocating in that fashion it was it was great to see because that's what i'm saying it's like that unified front it's it, a poli- a group of politicians will notice a group and 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 a unified voice versus the one guy who screams you know it's like it's like man yells at cloud yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, you know you, you, we don't we don't want that and i think i think the work that you've been doing with the eca and the eca as a whole is a is a benefit to not just the community of gamers but just the entertainment as a whole because if we don't if we don't unite to protect our own interests, we're gonna we're gonna lose them piece by piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and it, it there was uh, some type of trade, uh, new trading agreement or or law or something they were trying to pass, and they were sneaking in. Uh, these type of restrictions by calling it something else. And the beauty of the internet is when people really want to focus on something, nothing can be, no no stone is unturned. Right. And when that focus is, is unified and aimed at one particular uh, danger or individual, whatever it, we can all be, truly effective as one right but as you stated there's a lot of individuals and it i hate to say this but for the most for the most part people love to get together to destroy something or someone uh and it's usually while it demonstrates the power uh, i'm talking about um i don't know if you saw yesterday that that baking uh, that little baking company in in California that yep. was on Hell's Kitchen. Oh yeah, and went on this Twitter freaking, I mean, a Facebook rant. Yep. And you saw how people passed that around, and also the Ocean. Um, oh, what's the guy's name from uh, from Deep Ocean? No, was Deep Ocean the the guy on Twitter? He went on and and told the customer. Oh, Ocean Marketing. There you go. Oh God, that look guy. how the community came together and destroyed that guy's career. Yep. 
And I even put on my Twitter, if people got, if, if we were all to get together like that and fight against the real dangers that are going on all the time with laws, with, uh, you know, people not voting, people not supporting uh, the real heroes, which is, uh, you know, the teachers who, who need a new contract or the fire department or the police department that's getting uh, financial cuts and things like that. If we were to make the noise to support that, we'd be unstoppable. We'd be unstoppable, but, you know, it's getting those people to focus on, on, on one thing. Uh, it, that's the biggest challenge. And for CISPA and SOPA, when you saw the media blackout, that worked. Yep, I blacked out my site. Yeah, we blacked it out uh, at TalkingAboutGames.com, the ECA, major websites. But unfortunately, if we try doing that again, it might not have the same effect because people are going to think, ah, oh, you know what, they're just going to keep trying to pass it. Why should I even bother? That's right. And that's what they want. Yep. They, they want, want you to be discouraged and lazy and and. and think that there's no way to win but there is and it, it just requires a little effort and a well a little unified effort i agree 100 percent. so i don't know I, I think maybe the more we talk about it as individuals through our respective shows and and through the medium of choice uh for example when the east you know by keeping the ECA active via its community on Facebook and Twitter, they always have that in the back of their minds that they can, they will know, hey, if something goes down, I could read it here. There you go. So I think the more as individuals, we, we always, uh, not always, but once in a while, remind people of the dangers that are out there and, and the solutions. I think we can possibly, uh, give hope to those who might have that mentality that it's not worth the fight because it is. I mean, look at the the IRS, you know, Oof. <laughs> it's like nothing is, is what it seems. Yeah. That, that's a, I, it, with, with respect to that, just going, going off, off topic for a second, it, a lot of heads are going to roll for that shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, and there's no, esca- so. there's no escaping that at that point. It's like it's like there's no it's like when when somebody when a politician says somebody has to be held accountable, that's that's code for some some dummy is going to go is going to get conned and go to jail. Oh, yeah. 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 The the real targets are not going to be uh, affected. No, sir. Uh, (laughs) Simple as that. Yeah, it's it's yeah. And, And I like to say that. Because podcasting and I guess this goes for any type of community group or culture when it's around for a certain amount of time, real life elements eventually sink in. That's right. So you'll, you'll meet backstabbers, you'll meet, uh, you'll meet friends, you'll meet enemies. Absolutely. You know, everything in real life is going to occur in your favorite hobby or community. That's right. And that's why when some people have beef on Twitter, you'll see other people say, ah, you shouldn't say that publicly, blah, blah, blah. But it's gotten to the point where the only form of interaction is via social networks. That's correct. 
in real life is eventually eventually that's going to become real life for a lot of people so the beef is going to be public that's you call right. me out i call you out we argue blah blah, blah. and and the argument is gratification enough that's correct so that's why nowadays if i see beef on twitter i let it go I, I, whereas before i used to be i before i was the type who would call people cuz i had it seemed like i had everybody's number and everybody had mine and you can ask my wife. People used to call me all the damn time. And I would, you know, it was always about something. And I would always be somewhat of the, the middleman trying to squash beef. Eventually, I said, freak that. I'm not a babysitter. Nope. And it's gotten to the point where I stated before, real life has sunken and made its way into our little escape. That's right. And... They're just going to have to handle it like they would in real life. Now, you meet some people that are legitimately tough, and you meet a lot of people that aren't tough. Keyboard But they warriors. will try to act tough. Yeah, keyboard tough. So you'll know the real tough people. Uh, you get to know people's personalities, as strange as it might sound, via Twitter and Facebook. Yep. And for the most part, they're the ones that keep out of it because nobody wants to mess with them. And... You'll, you'll, you'll see how somebody will react to harsh criticism or, or someone being conf confrontational. So you get to learn people in an odd way uh, that you don't really know in person, but you know via video games and Twitter and Facebook, Xbox Live, PlayStation Network. And, and it's weird, you know, because I've met, I met you in real life. I have uh, friends that I've, you know, like uh, Danny from Gamer Tech Radio, Paris. We we're all close friends. We've been to each other's homes, ate with the family. I mean, it's weird, you know. That's right. So when I see beef, I'm like, you know what, man? This is has become a reality. So two people are arguing because their their freaking feelings are hurt, and and one called out the other one. So let them be adults and handle it themselves, and. That's how you got to do not, it. I'm not going to make the effort anymore, but uh, just like real life, man, there's, there's risk out there. Then uh, this is going back to my original point of, of being careful when and just being aware of the dangers with these new laws. That's and right. Don't ignore it. If you see CISPA, PIPA, um, read up on it. Go to the ECA.com or go to our Facebook, which is Facebook, the ECA. Uh, and find out the dangers and, and the risk that if these laws were passed, the restrictions and, and, and the freedom, uh, uh, the, the ease the government is going to have to access your personal information and, and, and how uh, a private firm can also gather your information. So it's pretty scary stuff, not just for video games, just for your own privacy that we take advantage of uh, or we take it uh, we also take it for granted. There you go. So, I don't know, a little off topic, but No, nah, it's all good, man. I I think our listeners needed needed to know that. Um <laughs> to to bring everything full circle, um the the last thing I I got to ask is uh you started recently podcasting with your son and yeah. um definitely something really cool i think that 
there's a, a future in podcasting for all young people. You started doing the Anything podcast. I know you put the first episode up. And yes. I wanted to share that with the listeners. How does it how does it feel bringing your your son into your world now, like full full <laughs> full full stream now? Because it's like he's podcasting. I've seen him do some video stuff. I know he likes a lot of the Halo stuff and Predators. Yeah. So yeah. oh yeah, he loves the Predators. <laughs> yeah. So you know he's he's doing a lot of the stuff. How 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 does it make you just just feel as a as a parent and you know being being somebody in the industry that your your son can kind of start adding to that legacy on his own and, and creating his own voice with, with podcasting? Um, it wasn't by design, but I guess because I was doing it so much, he kind of, uh, it kind of rubbed off. And, um, you know, as a parent, uh, as you stated, been doing this and he, I see him doing it as well. Um, he's not into the podcasting part as much, uh, but he might be, who knows? Uh, but the fact that he's, because uh, we we did wow, I, I don't I don't even remember how old he was, but he always wanted to be in front of the camera. We we got a video, uh, a webcam, and he wanted to mess with it. So we did a little video. He's singing, and then <laughs> he's like talking about Spider Man, Batman, and. And then he goes, uh, recorder, hello, and, and he slips off my lap. And in the video, it looks like he falls and, and hits hard, right? And I laugh, and then I cut the video off. But all he did was lean forward and put his hands on the tables, and it made this loud thump. So in the video, it looks like he fell, you know? So that's, like, uh, private on my YouTube, and once in a while, I'll link it, but I always knew that he wanted to ham it up in front of the video camera. And so he had this big interest in YouTube. We got him a YouTube and he's been doing stop animation here and there, draws, does his video reviews of his toys and everything. And then I've had him on on a few podcasts uh, just chit-chatting. We did a Halo anniversary. We did uh, the most recent one was Injustice, Gods Among Us. And um, just listening to the Halo CE anniversary review that we did, which was in 2011, and hearing his voice change, I was like, oh, my God, you know, the, the, the difference is crazy, you know. So uh, I had to ask him because I didn't want to force it on him. I didn't want to say we're podcasting and that's it. So at first he was like, I don't know, it's a lot of pressure, blah, blah, blah. I, don't, I might not have the time. I said, well, you let me know. And I asked him again because I, I was giving him feedback on, on the review he did for Injustice. And I was like, look, you got a lot of positive reviews, something to think about. He's only 11, but I talked to him like a teenager. And he was like, all right, let's give it a shot. We came up with the name. It was difficult, like always, trying yeah. to create a name for a podcast. Of course. And uh, we came up with a few ideas, and just to give you an idea how saturated this is, it seemed like every name we came up with was taken. <laughs> and my wife came up with everything. No, I, actually, I saw a commercial. They kept saying everything. So I asked my wife, I said, what about everything? And she's like, eh. And then she came up with anything or it was like a family discussion, you know, and uh, my wife and I, we kept thinking of, of names. And finally, I think uh, 
everything was taken or something like that. And I said, let's try anything and uh, just use the word anything because that's pretty much. Actually, my son said, no, not everything, because that means I got to talk about things I don't want to talk about. I want to talk about anything I want. And I was like, what about anything? There you go. And so um, it, it's like 90% the official name. It might change. Who knows? But uh, we haven't put out an official episode yet because um, we're trying to dis- decide when we'll record on the, on a regular basis, like what day out of the week uh, we, we should record. So the first episode should be out pretty soon. Uh, but uh, it, it not that he doesn't have a lot in his plate now, but it gives him something that he can use his creativity in. Right. Uh, I don't want him to just podcast about video games. Uh, part of the, the things we are going to talk about is going to be his toys, well, his collectibles, his drawings, uh, movies we've just seen, or any, not to use the term a lot, but anything he feels is going to be entertaining. And not just for the audience, but for him to talk about, because I don't want him to be bored and force the video game part on him. So it won't necessarily be video games. So we'll see. It's going to be fun. I'm, I'm definitely more excited than he is. Because <laughs> uh, uh, I definitely feel that he 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 definitely has the creativity and, and and he loves to use his creativity in various ways. And a lot of people say, oh, he has a deep voice. So you never know. Maybe he could. Because uh, one of the things I always wanted to try was radio. And I always thought, ah, you know, I, I, I never really pursued it, you know, and, and uh, which is kind of my motivations for uh, part of the motivation for podcasts. But, the, you know, the, I tell you the true motivation, but uh, maybe he goes into maybe he can use his skill sets for radio or movies or whatever, you know, he, he'll discover himself. So I'm definitely looking forward to that and seeing where it can grow to. Once again, there's not nothing I want to do as a living. Right. So that's pretty obvious because I want to bring my son into it. And you never know. Maybe we'll catch an audience that will relate to him. There you, you go. never know until you try it. So, and you know, as a way for me to think outside of the box, step away from the whole video game scene and and of course wait for the new gen to come out and that will give us plenty to talk about. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it definitely gives me something to legitimately have fun doing cuz I have fun with PGR. Sometimes like I have to uh and you said it before, I have to control yep. the tempo, I have to uh, jump in sometimes here and there and try to regulate things and we're adults so I, I feel like man I shouldn't have to <laughs> tell these guys not that you know I just feel weird telling right. old, you know dudes they don't say that you know but sometimes I'll do it as a way to uh, make it seem like we're 
arguing or I'm pissed at these guys. And then, you know, we try to make a joke out of it. But for the most part, doing it with my son is going to be relaxing and fun, like legitimately fun for me. Yeah, I, I mean, I can I can tell. I mean, in the nine minutes you guys did, you I can tell you were more you had you had less pressure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, I, I pay yeah, attention. Just, <laughs> yeah, with soldiers, like, dude, please don't fucking say something. I gotta edit. <laughs> yeah, something, something along those lines. I mean, you know, it, it, with me, it's you know, on a live on a live format, I I I edit very few things. Like sometimes I'll say some some real off color stuff, but I tell people, you know, I, I broadcast outside of the family hour. My show is rated explicit for a reason, and this is why you're tuning in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, people will know who you are and what to expect. Uh, you know, there's been beef with PGR and other websites, uh, not necessarily with me, but, you know, with Soldier. And uh, so he's the type that he'll go on reaction. Yep. And I'll have to remember that as we're doing a show and not not say something that can be used as a trigger point or a reason for him to go off. and Right. So there's, of course, the power of editing because I'm not doing it live, you know, definitely helps. Oh, yeah. If you did it live, dude, you'd probably blow your brains out. <laughs> if, if, you did it, if you did it live like I do, like sometimes I'll say stuff and somebody will say something in like the chat and they'll say like hate speech or something. I got to stop the show, like derail it for a second. Be like, listen. You know, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know. It's and I've I've uh gone on and, and said a few things myself that was like, All right, I'm gonna hear it <laughs> you know, and it happens. When you're yep. doing it as long as we have and the amount of hours, sometimes we're doing it tired after work. Oh yeah. You you're trained already. Dude, I go from eleven PM to two AM. Wow, dude. There you go. No, I, I, I would fall asleep on air, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. But um, <laughs> to bring everything full circle, the, the, the last thing I just you know want to let everybody know is that you, you, you've been doing this a long time. You're probably one of the most knowledgeable and approachable guys that doesn't try to beat anybody over the head. For, <laughs> for Thanks, man. I appreciate that, bro. Monetarily for, for information. And, you know, I tell everybody who gets into podcasting that, you know, they should they should take notes and learn, you know, and learn from you. You're one of those guys. People people they'll talk about all the, you know, the Leo Laportes and the, the Joe Rogans and the Adam Carollas. But it's like you got to support the guys that are that started and remained humble in this game. And, you know, you're 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 yeah. one of the, you're 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 in you're the last of a dying breed. You know, I don't try to blow smoke up your ass. That's just how it is. <laughs> I appreciate that, man, because. Uh... There's a few of us out there, and we're still doing it for various reasons, and we have various motivations, but I like to say that we're mentally unstable because we're doing it for so long, and and that works. You and I, you and I spoke about being in the red and spending money and not reaping any benefits. Correct. And, and most people wouldn't do it. I, I've seen it. I've seen it where people would do it for maybe two months and then just give up and and you and you said it imagine doing a job for free 
and 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 you know it's bad enough you you you're in a job that you get paid for that you might not want to do and you're doing a job that you because it is a part-time job podcasting that's right and you're spending the money to keep it afloat and you don't get any financial income in return and sometimes you know the support is out there but it is not it is not visual it is not it you know like i know there are people out there who love pgr versus craziness right but if they were to take a few seconds and put that on itunes it would definitely benefit the the post game report or my take radio that's right so uh for the listeners out there we build a relationship with you we i know rich you told me this is your uh doing the show is your uh you you put your real life out there you put that's right uh everything pretty much out there on the line for the listener to to hear and maybe relate to so supporting my take radio with a few clicks of of of, of your mouse is 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 going to go a long way to help my take radio believe it or not so right. who knows maybe they don't want to leave a review because they probably feel ah it's not going to really do anything but it does it, sure. it does more than you know Damn right so <laughs> to, to 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 close things out of of course um people can follow you on twitter at jvb uh they yes. can also follow the eca on twitter the at the eca and also look for the the eca on facebook um, any other links you want to give out to make sure our audience keeps up with all your projects? <laughs> well, um, you can follow talkingaboutgames.com, which is uh, I'm co-owner of the website with Soldier and TG1 Eddie. And uh, our Twitter is at talkaboutgames. The Post Game Report podcast, which you can find on iTunes, is the podcast that I created uh, you could follow that on Twitter at Post Game Report, all one word. Uh, but m- for the most part, you'll if you follow me on Twitter, which as you stated at JVB, you're going to get a bunch of sarcastic tweets from me. Uh, <laughs> you're going to get honesty, just like you would with Rich. And I like to think that you'll get a lot of factual, uh, factual information. Uh, whether it's about a video game, politics, whatever. I like to, when I put myself out there, and this is via experience, I like to make sure that I have substance behind what I'm saying. So I I like to think that I'm entertaining. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. That makes sense. I I went on, I I stopped and I hooked up uh, PGR with, uh, with a review. (laughs) oh nice bro thank you i appreciate that man there you go all right man so with that you have taken us behind the mic um thank you for taking the time for to speak with us and um, we really appreciate it anytime brother i definitely look forward to doing it again got it you've just heard my take radios behind the mic with jvb to learn more about jvb's projects make sure to visit talkingaboutgames.com and to join or learn more about the eca you can visit the eca.com 
My Take Radio broadcasts live every Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on the Blog Talk Radio Network and also simulcasts on Mixler. You can learn more about the live broadcast by visiting MyTakeRadio.com and clicking the Listen tab there to listen to live shows as well as previous shows. Last but not least, you can get the full MTR experience by picking up the MyTake Radio app available for Android and iOS devices. For Android devices, you can pick up the app via the Amazon Android Marketplace, and of course for iOS devices, good old iTunes is your source for that. On behalf of myself and JVB, thanks for listening.